Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series in the book of 1 John with part two of this sermon entitled, Christ, Our Propitiation, preached in the evening service, January 14th, 2001. Chapter 2 of 1 John. Let me read it to you, the first two verses. My dear children, the only place that expression appears is here, my dear children. I write this to you so that you will not sin, meaning you will not commit a sin. But if anyone does commit a sin... We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. All that is interpretation, but the word is paraclete. We have a paraclete. We have, and the actual English equivalent is what? We have an advocate. We have a, an advocate. Now, when you need an advocate, it means what? Whenever you need an advocate... You are in trouble, isn't it? You kill somebody and they'll give you a public defender. So advocate means you are in trouble. And you need the best advocate you can find in the whole universe. And, and we have such an advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And of course, his advocacy is always effectual. And now we said, what is the basis for his effectual advocacy? That he is engaged in, in heaven in our behalf. And the basis, of course, is here. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The Greek word is he is the hilasmos. Hilasmos, propitiation for our sins. He is the propitiation for our sins. The sacrifice that brought these two parties who were enemies into unity and agreement. This sacrifice did it. Propitiatory sacrifice. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And we discussed a number of things in regard to this. And now we want to look at this propitiation. And I want to make a few more remarks so that you will know what propitiation is all about. Now, propitiation is a sacrifice... Offered to God for the purpose that his wrath against us be turned away and that he may be gracious to us, that he may forgive us our sins and so on. Now that idea, the liberals of the world do not accept that because they have created a view of God who is always nice. He is always loving towards sinner. He is not angry towards sinner. He is not wrathful towards sinner. He is always loving towards sinner. It doesn't matter what you do. 
And so they translate that word hilosmos by the word expiation, which means a sacrifice not toward God but toward man, effecting the cancellation of your sins, the nullification of your sins. Now, my question, I said, is this, well, if it is not toward God to turn away his wrath, and if God is always loving toward the sinner, God is in no way affected by your sin, then my question is, what is the purpose of this sacrifice at all? We can dispense with this whole bloody business. And that is where modern liberals are, that we don't have to do anything about this business of sacrifice. He is always nice, he is always forgiving. However, you may begin to wonder, well, if we have to uh, have a sacrifice offered to God to turn away his wrath from us, then we may begin to think that, that God is somewhat unwilling to forgive us our sins. And we have to have this forgiveness wrung out of him. Well, that's not true. God is not capricious, arbitrary, vacillating, and all that. So first, we want to consider the source of this propitiation or this sacrifice of atonement. Now let's turn to the, the book of Genesis, chapter 22. The young man, Isaac, asked the question. We have the, we have the fire and we have everything else. But one thing we lack is an animal for sacrifice. You said we are going to sacrifice, but we have no animal. This is a serious omission. And so what was the answer? Jehovah Jireh. The Lord sees and provides. So if you turn with me to the 22nd chapter of Genesis and verse 13, we read Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So the source of this propitiatory sacrifice is God and his love toward sinners. It is God who has provided us propitiation. It came from his mind. The source is God's love. Let's turn to another scripture, Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. This bloody business of sacrifice in the book of Leviticus. Sin offering, trespass offering, burnt offering, and, and all that. Peace offering, thanksgiving offering, and so on. The bloody business. What is it all for? Well, it is for turning God's wrath away that he be gracious to us. But notice verse 11. For the life of a creature is in the blood and what? I have given it to you 
to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. Notice then the source of this propitiation. I have given it to you. Our God is not an unwilling God to forgive us. He is willing to forgive. And he has given us the means to secure that forgiveness. That his wrath may be turned away. That he be gracious to us. And Jehovah Jireh, he has provided. Or turn with me to John chapter 3 and verse 16. A verse that most people know in some way. And we read this. For God so loved the world. And then what else? That he gave. He gave his son for the death of the cross. He gave source of this propitiation. Don't ever think that he's unwilling to forgive us. He made provision, gave his own son. Gave him to death, the death of the cross for our salvation. Turn to Romans chapter 3. This famous passage in Romans 3, 24 and 25. And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now, God presented him. It was God the Father who offered his son as a sacrifice of atonement. In order that his wrath can be turned away from you and he be gracious to you, forgive your sins. Or Romans chapter 8 and turn to verse 32. He who did not spare his own son. The idea here is, we read Genesis 22, God spared Isaac. But he did not spare his own son. But gave him up for us all. It is he who gave us his son as propitiation. That is the idea here. Or turn to Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, the famous passage, God made him. God the Father made him. That is his son. Jesus Christ the righteous one who had no sin to be sin for us. It was God the Father who did it. That we might in him become the righteousness of God. Or First John chapter 4. And verse 10. And here we read. This is love. Not that we loved God. But that he loved us. God the father loved us. And sent his son. As an atoning sacrifice. As propitiation. He sent it. Don't ever think he is unwilling to forgive. He is willing to forgive. He planned it. He gave us the propitiation that will turn away his wrath and cause him to be favorable toward us. Now this, this propitiation is an acceptable propitiation, acceptable to God because he gave it. This propitiation consists in God-man 
I said this morning, even if we could find a sinless man, God may not accept him to be a substitute for another. And even if God accepts him as a substitute for another, he cannot be a substitute for another because his sin toward God is infinite sin. We need God who is infinite. Man, man. Righteous man. Righteous God. And he gave such a person. He is both the priest and the victim. And he is acceptable propitiation. That's why when we come in his name to the Father, the Father receives you. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews. And he is the propitiator. And he is the propitiation. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 27. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. The source of this propitiation is God the Father. He gave his son. God, man. Who died in place for all sinners of the world. All right. Secondly, the necessity of propitiation. Tell me, wherein lies the necessity of propitiation? Of course, there is no necessity for a propitiation if God is not interested in saving anybody. Isn't that true? There is a possibility. You see... God created man upright and he became a sinner and all the people of the world are born sinners and practice sin and if God doesn't have a plan of salvation there is no need for what? Propitiation. But God does have a plan of salvation. Now if he has a plan of salvation then there is necessity for propitiation because what? God is holy. And so, he's angry at sinners every day. He cannot look upon contradiction of him with favor. Sin is contradiction of God. That is the heart of sin. Sin is dishonoring God. Sin is transgression of his law. And God doesn't like that. He never liked it. His whole nature is against wickedness. He must punish sin. If you don't understand what sin is, study Ten Commandments and then study the Sermon on the Mount. Then you will have a full understanding of what sin is all about. God is holy. Man is sinful. Man cannot atone for his sin. And our sin is infinite. And therefore... There is necessity for an atonement and a propitiation. And God has provided such a propitiation. Thirdly, this propitiation is representative. So if you have a representative, what he does is in behalf of you. And this is a representative propitiation. Turn with me to 
2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. What a glorious passage this is. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. All died in him. We didn't die. He died. He died as our representative. This is representative propitiation. When he died on the cross, he died in behalf of all of us. We all died. And God is satisfied. God is not asking us for you to die and go to hell. He died and he experienced hell in our behalf. So we don't have to die. We died in him. Number four, it is a sacrificial propitiation. That means somebody dies and spills his blood. That's what it means. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. Here St. Paul tells us this. Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been what? Sacrificed. Or John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 29. Behold the lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. This is sacrificial propitiation. And number five, it is also substitutionary propitiation. He died as, not only as our representative, but as our substitute. Well, I glory in that. I glory in this vicarious atonement, substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, and uh, verse 45. And we read here, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, he who knew no sin became sin in behalf of us as our substitute. But in the Old Testament, that classical passage is found, of course, in Isaiah chapter 53, beginning with verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And so on, it speaks about substitutionary propitiation. He died as our substitute. Number six, what is the proof of propitiation? That that God really accepted this propitiatory sacrifice of Jesus Christ. How do we know? How do we know that God accepted this sacrifice? How do we know that God is satisfied? His justice is satisfied. That his wrath 
is turned away from us. How do we know? Oh, certainly true. What is it? He was raised. Resurrection. Resurrection, yes. That's number one. But there, is, there are other proofs. And what are other proofs? All the benefit that we receive. Beginning with justification. Hotheos hilas tetimoi. Ho amatelos. Oh God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And the next verse says, he went home what? You see then, yes, resurrection is proof that God has accepted propitiatory sacrifice which he designed and he gave in the first place. Yes, resurrection is a proof, but something else. In our own life, God has justified us. God is sanctifying us. God has adopted us. Isn't that wonderful? God has forgiven us all our sins. God has blotted out all sins that were against us. And we have fellowship with God. That we have fellowship with one another. How do we know that God accepted the sacrifice of this high priest? He goes into the innermost holy place and he sprinkles his blood and he does all his uh, responsibilities. And let me tell you, turn with me uh, to the book of Numbers chapter 6. I'll tell you. How we know that God has accepted this sacrifice of atonement that the priest finally comes out to the people. And what is he saying? Number 6, verse 24, 25, and 26. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. You see, the blessing. The wrath is turned away. And God is appeased, and God is gracious now to us, and blessing is coming down from us. And this is what the high priest comes and speaks to the people. And what is it? The Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. See, the wrath is gone. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face toward you and what? Give you peace. That's why Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, he comes to the people and he says what? Peace, peace be unto you. Peace, peace. What is it? There was sacrifice of atonement. There was propitiation. God the Father has accepted it. Peace, peace be unto you. All your sins are forgiven. You are justified, forgiven, sanctified, adopted into the family of God. Now you have fellowship with the Father and the Son. Peace, shalom, aleichem. That's how we know that his propitiatory sacrifice has been accepted. Sins are blotted out. And even now, this propitiatory sacrifice is working. Turn with me uh, to John chapter 2, First John, and verse 2. He, he is 
the propitiation. Not he was, but he is. Yes, we are justified. We cannot be justified again, but we still need this propitiation for what? For sanctification, for cleansing. And he is. That's what when we come here, oh God, forgive us our sins. He is. Not he was, but he is. Even now, right now, if you have a sin problem, and if you committed a sin, don't despair. We have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate in heaven. His advocacy is based on what he did on earth. What did he do on earth? Propitiation. God's wrath is turned away. Now he's gracious toward you. He has justified you. He has adopted you. He has blotted out your sins. He has removed your guilt. And he is still cleansing you from all unrighteousness. And number seven. What about the efficacy of this propitiation? Let me tell you, it is efficacious eternally. This one sacrifice offered by this God-man, Jesus Christ the righteous, is efficacious eternally. And we are going to spend eternity with God and we would say the reason for our being in the presence of God is the efficacious, once for all offered sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Efficacious. Number two, it is not only efficacious for your sin, it says, not only for our sins, but what? For the sins of the whole world. Well, that tells you the whole world is sinful. We believe in the universality of sin, therefore the whole world needs what? Salvation. And this one death, this one sacrifice offered by God, man, Jesus Christ the righteous, is not only efficacious for our salvation, but it is efficacious for the salvation of the whole world. Let me tell you, there are no many saviors. And we are told about that. Look at chapter 4 and verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be what? The Savior of the world. Go into all the world. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean every person in the whole world will be saved? Well, the answer is no. The answer is no. There are people who believe that. It is not what the Bible is all about. The salvation of the whole world must be limited by two factors. One, by divine design. He saves whomever he wants to save. That's up to him. Divine election, divine design. Number two, human response. People are not saved automatically, but he saves everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? So these two factors limit and put his sacrifice is sufficient for the salvation of everyone, if you want to say that, of the whole world. But it is efficient only for the salvation of God's elect who will truly repent and respond in faith. In the book of Exodus chapter 12, 11 and 12, we, we were told to take a lamb 
for the family. Isn't that true? For one family, one land. And then in chapter 16 of the book of Leviticus, on the day of atonement, he offers a, an animal for the sin of the whole nation. And in John chapter 1 verse 29, we are told this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, what? Of the whole world. For the Jew and the Gentile. And here the promise of God to Abraham is fulfilled in thee. All the families of the earth will be blessed. If I be lifted up from the earth, what? I will draw and to me. That's why I am drawn and you are drawn from various tribes, various languages, various geographical distribution. But praise be to God, somebody evangelized. Somebody preached the gospel and faith comes by hearing. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to understand the wonder of this God-ordained propitiation offered by your Son sacrificially for our salvation. For we pray in Christ's name, amen.